And you have to really step back and say, why am I doing this? And what does success look like for me? For me, so that way I can stay focused, keep the course, and keep going. I'm Ashley White, the host of Joy on the Journey podcast, a weekly podcast all about defining, finding, and maintaining joy on the journey of life. I have promised transparent and vulnerable interviews with women that are making a difference in the community. And this week, y'all, I'm excited. This week is a very, very special guest, Miss Sharoma Graves. Sharoma is the <laughs> founder and executive director of the Access Youth Network. Their mission is to create <laughs> partnerships and programs that champion the success of underserved youth. Simply put, they strive to do good deeds that support youth and to assist others with the same motivation. And while she's determined to help all youth, she's also a wife and mother to you two young children. Sis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Sis, <laughs> the podcast is all about defining, finding, and maintaining the joy on the journey of life. So mm -hmm. I am so curious, how do you define joy? So that is a good question. Um, when I think about joy, of course you think about those kind of, I don't want to call them cliche, but kind of cliche answers. You know, we talk about joy is what God gives us and God's strength and all of that. But as I agree with all of those, um, I do think it's that kind of undisclosed place of happiness that you can tap into no matter what's going on. But at this phase of my life, really joy to me, it's mine. It's my ownership. I'm learning that joy is my responsibility. So it's my responsibility to protect it. Everything that you just said, it's my responsibility to nurture it, to maintain it. So if there are things in my circle, in my space that don't bring me joy, it's my responsibility to get rid of those things. It's my responsibility to make sure that I am focusing on that joy when I get distracted on what's not going right and what's going wrong. And all. It's my responsibility. So I'm taking really this phase of my life my joy is about it being my responsibility and my ownership that God gave it to me. Nobody can take it away, but I have to do what I have to do to make sure that I'm protecting that gift that God gave me. Mm. Mm -hmm. And how did you come to such this well-rounded definition of joy? Really life. <laughs> really life. I mean, because you grow up, especially growing up in the church. You hear, you know, the world didn't give me the joy and, you know, the world can't take it away. Uh, but in reality, the world can kind of check it up a little bit. You know, it can it can knock us off our feet a little bit, you know. So it, it's good to have those, you know, slogans that you can say and what you can come down to. But then I really have to think for myself, what does that really mean? And do you always hear about joy is different from happiness, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to explore for myself, what does that mean? Because it sounds good. But when you actually start experiencing life and start experiencing some things in your 30s that you didn't experience in your, you know, teenage years when the mothers of the church were saying that, mm -hmm. and you actually start to hear it, then it kind of hit a little bit different. And then that's for me when it was like, okay, but this is, it's the, the world didn't give it to me and the world didn't, can't take it away from me. So that means it's mine. So I have to do what I need to do to make sure that I'm protecting this gift. 
you know, the same way that you would a, a plant, right? You have to give it food. You have to nurture it. Somebody can give you this nice, pretty orchid. Mm. But child, three months from now, if you don't water it, you don't give it no sun, you don't do what you're supposed to do to it, it's going to die. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same thing, you know, with joy. If God gave it to me, but now it's it's my gift that he gave it to. So I have to do something with it. And when I came to that realization, I think that is kind of what gave me the ownership of it. So to make me lead with it, you know, I have to lead with joy. I have to make sure that it's always at the forefront. I have to be intentional about it because it's not something that's just you wake up and you have this phantom joy. You have to be intentional about thinking with joy, leading with joy, loving with joy. Like th- that takes some intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where that, that kind of ownership came from of realizing it's not just a magical fairy dust that's just going to happen. Like you got to go out there and do something to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Can you pinpoint when it was a, a pivot from for you of, oh, wait, I got to, I have ownership. This is my ball I need to really secure. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for me, and I've actually, I guess you could, my sister, we about to talk about some stuff I probably never talked about in public. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me was my pivot was after Drew. Um, okay. So, you know, we're I'm going into life now with two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, with Skylar, I did have some moments of postpartum depression. Um, and with Drew, for me, it was more of my anxiety, okay. um, where now we're like on 10 you know, with this. And before, especially with having a social work background, people always joke that social workers are like the worst to social work. Okay. Because in our minds, we're like, oh, I'll just do some remedies. Like, I kind of know the tips and tricks. I'll just figure it out on my own. And that's kind of where I was at. Was, mm. you know, I know I know what I'm supposed to be doing, so I'll do it. You know, that type of thing. And so I really got to, the, to my breaking point where I was like mentally, physically, emotionally, like I am at wit's end. Like I am unraveling you know Mm -hmm. I something was gonna have to give and that was my prayer is like God literally if you're not about to step in I I do not know what's about to happen like I am mentally physically at my wits end and that's when I had to think about what are those things that bring me joy what are those things that I can go to you know everybody talks about self-care and having time for yourself and all Mm -hmm. of that but I needed something that was more than a bubble bath on a Saturday afternoon like what we doing you know that type of thing and that's when I had to really like after I prayed and was like God you have to step in and that was the pivot of being like no I have to do something like yes therapy you know yes I can talk to friends and family all that but it's still me that's taking the ownership to say I'm gonna go to therapy I'm going to talk more. I'm going to do that. So if I can be onerous on all of those other things, why can't I be onerous about my own joy, my own mental health? Like, it's mine. So I have to do something about it. And that's where I was like, because if I don't do something about it, literally, this this is going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of was my pivot moment. Literally, in the shower one day, like, God, I have nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like, I have nothing else. Mm-hmm. I need you to refill my cup. And it was like, okay. Here we are, and it's yours. So now what we're going to do. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm -hmm. Because I know that as we talked about that there is a mother, um, a father, or even someone just at that brink of, I have given, I have served, I have worked, I have done all all that I can do. I have read all the books, mm-hmm. I have done, I have given all that I can, now what? Right. 
And it sounds like, and please correct me, it sounds like you almost had to surrender um, to yourself that you had done all the things that you had read to do. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because it comes a point where, especially the way that I parent, um, because for me, it was always my goal to be a stay-at-home mom. It was always my goal to to live the life that I'm living right now. I was going to be the mom with athletic clothes on in the middle of the day ain't been to nobody's gym but here we are with these leggings and these t-shirts because i'm taking my kids to dance and library and all all of that like that was always my goal right so i got to the point where i was like i am living the life that i want to live right so i did all of the things that i was supposed to do to get here what what's happening you know but then you also have to to realize that sometimes when we think about our dream life and we think about the and i know we're going to I'm probably getting ahead of you, but and when we think about our dream life and what we want and you know all of that, we always think about the good. Ooh. But nobody ever talked about the bad part of it, and that's really what my hope is—just to be that honest, uh, open, honest book. Of yeah, it looks good, but also there's some bad that comes with it, and that's okay mm-hmm. because that's just a part of the balance. You know, every pretty picture sometimes the frame might be a little bit crooked, it might be a little chipped, but it's still a pretty picture. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's still, and that is okay. And I have to—I'm getting to that on my own to realizing that it's okay to have read all the books and closed the book and been like what mm-hmm. I did what am I supposed to still do yes I got it's okay mm-hmm. it's okay that and that is really kind of where we're at now yeah I, I don't have all the answers I read all the books and I'm still confused and it's okay yeah it's okay we're yeah. gonna figure this thing out I love that and and I think there's a freedom in that experience as well mm-hmm of okay hmm oh okay there is more to this than i even imagined Mm -hmm. on both sides right like oh there is more to this good than i even imagined thank you right and oh lord there is more to this than i even imagined Mm -hmm. Hmm. Thank, thank you lord yeah yeah. I, but then Lord, now you really got to help me with this part. Facts. And that and I think that one of the things that kept coming to my mind when I was in that season and really still am is the scripture where it talks about lean not into your own understanding. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I always come back to that place with my kids, with my husband, with all the things that I do, where I can the Bible talks about where you make your plans, mm-hmm. but God orders your steps, right? And sometimes in parenting, in all things really. I'm making my plans. You know, we're going to homeschool. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to sign you up for this, sign you up for that. And I am reading the books. And I am doing that. But then at the end of the day, I'm leaning to my own understanding. When there is, there has to be a point in life where you're like, I studied to show myself approved. I did what I was supposed to do. I was faithful over my little. And then God, here goes the rest. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we just do that first part. Yeah. And we don't do the second part. And I think that's really where... It sound good for me to have done that, but when I got to that point, it was really like, okay, for real, God, I really am giving this to you. Like, I really am giving my children to you. I'm giving my marriage to you. I'm giving myself to you. Like, I'm giving all things to you. Like, yeah, it's cute for me to say it on this little hashtag post, and it's cute mm-hmm. for me to, you know, put it up there, but for real, though, like, please, yeah. I've done all the things, tag you, it, it's your turn. Mm-hmm. And that's, and when you get to that place, I think that's where that freedom comes from. And to realize, like, I don't have to have the, all the answers. I don't have to have all the answers because I'm connected to somebody who does. Yeah. So it's okay for me not to know. Because he does. And we're going to be all right. Oh, that's so good. 
that's so so good and i want to thank you so much for sharing for sharing that i want to ask we talked about the axis mm -hmm. um and it is so clear that you have a heart for service uh, we talked about that you have a master's in social work yes. from the university of houston mm -hmm. she's a cougar where did this passion for social for serving the community and serving others where did it begin you know, really, it's been there my entire life. Okay. Um, if I'm really kind of re being reflective and thinking about it. Um, I've always come from a family that has always given back, even when we didn't have. You know, it was still, and I, I've never met my grandmother, who I'm actually named after, um, but I hear my family always talk about her in that capacity. Like, she always fed people, always opened her home to people. Like, it's always like, oh, you sound like Grandma Gert, or you sound like... My middle name is Gertrude, by the way. Okay. Um, so it's always it's always been that. Um, so a part of me is like, is that a connection to her that maybe we all have? Or like, where does that come from? But it's so evident in all of us. Like, all in, I grew up, grew up with mostly women. Um, so even like my mother and stuff, growing up, she had a daycare, we always had kids over our house. If this person didn't have like, like it was always, now mind you, we rubbing two pennies together ourselves, <laughs> but it was always that space to make sure that something else or somebody else was always taken care of. And I think that bred into me a sense of village mm. um, that was really kind of just second nature. It was always there. I mean, even thinking about externally, you know, we had this place growing up. Um, I'm originally from Queens, New York, far away. Um, so we had this place called the center growing up and I feel like the center is a very cliche name for all hood places that kids hang out at, but okay. hey, here we go. Um, but it was such, um, kind of a safe haven okay. for a lot of uh, kids growing up. So, you know, we used to go there and play pool and they had summer camps and just kind of hung out. Um, but as I got older, I really understood what that staple meant mm -hmm. and what that was in the middle of a projects, in the middle of income-based apartments and those type of families that they served. And I always was like, I want to be that. You know, I want to be able to have that spot, that space, that program where a kid can just come to and just come. And they don't have to think about what we're going to eat for dinner and the fact that my lights are off or even the fact that my family might be doing really well, but maybe I don't have the relationship with my parents that I want or whatever their issue is. You can just come here be educated, have fun, do whatever it is that you feel like you need to do to have that safe space if it's nowhere else but here. Um, so that is really kind of where I was like, all these tidbits of positivity that I see in a space that might not be so positive, I want to be able to redo, uh, re what am I trying to say? Duplicate that. Yeah. Replicate was in my head and duplicate was in my mouth. It was- <laughs> We here, we're, we here. Yeah, there we go, but you got it. Um, so that's a, where, where it really was at. So my entire, after about junior year in high school, that was my path. Um, so originally, before I got to U of H, I went to Gremlin State University, okay. and I earned my uh, bachelor's in sociology. And then I went to the University of Houston to earn my master's in social work, all with the mindset of, one day I'm going to have my own nonprofit. Um, and I worked through that. And now, mind you, I was a junior in high school. So, you know, the plans and stuff that I've, I thought in junior high school has kind of been revamped a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but that was always kind of my mindset. And even if I needed to, like before I had my daughter, before I graduated, after I graduated from the University of Houston, I worked in student services. Um, and up until I had Skylar, and then I decided to stay home um, to be with her. But it's always been in student services. So even with that same mindset, when you're on this campus, when you're at this educational program, 
I want to be able to provide that safe space for you. Um, so that's kind of really been the push and the motivation to make sure that it's a lot going on in the world. Yeah. And especially with our kids. And sometimes our kids are, are left out of those conversations of all this harshness that's going on in the world as if they're shielded from it. In reality, they're not. So they need a space just like we do. And if I have to be the person to provide it, then here I am. Mm. Wow, use me. Use me. <laughs> and so seven years ago, you launched the Access Youth Network. Mm -hmm. What's the backstory of the name? Okay, so a couple of things there. So the backstory of the name, like I mentioned to you, kind of thinking about those staple places that are always in communities and provide that safe space. So my junior mind in high school was thinking about like a wheel and axle. Okay. So the, the wheel is rotating, but the axle is always the same. So no matter who is coming through this community, no matter how the community evolves, you know, even now community looks a lot different to us in 2023 than it did in 1993. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so even with, with time changing, everything being the same, I wanted us, our services and what we provide to be a constant. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of the mindset behind the name. Now, by the time your listeners hear this, we will be preparing for a major relaunch, okay. um, which includes a name change. Um, so we will be changing our name to The Michelle Project. Um, and The Michelle Project is named after my aunt, uh, Michelle Ford, who was an educator before she unfortunately passed. Um, when she was 29 years old, she was unfortunately killed, but she was an educator. And she had, you talking about me having a heart for youth, like above and beyond like a heart for you so that's really my way of one staying connected to her but two making sure that our organization really lives through that spirit of making sure a lot of our programs are educational based um we deal a lot with college and career readiness and things of that nature um so we will have names programs all of that it kind of fully encompasses the new work that we'll be doing um, so we'll be redoing all of that you'll hear our new name all of that by the time you listen to this so Wow. Look, that was what they say, exclusive. That's an exclusive joy news, on the journey. <laughs> you heard it here first. Right, you right, like first. facts. <laughs> so I want to ask, and I didn't write this down, but I want to know what this feels like to have this um, seed planted your junior year in high school to be to carry it all the way through college, graduate school, and then to birth it. What does that feel like to hold on to something and then release it in the world? That's a good question. It is scary. It is scary, but it also is very fulfilling. Um, it also involves a lot of reflection on what this process and this journey means to you. Um, one of the things that I do, um, and it helps me a lot with my anxiety, is I write everything down. So I have literally what's called a life book. Mm. And it's from my junior year in high school. I still, and I just keep, it's a binder on purpose. So I can just keep adding papers to it. And I literally have, <clears throat> excuse me, paint swatches on what our colors was going to be. And like the whole thing, I should have brought it. Um, so what I do is from that seed, I just keep adding on to it, adding on to it, adding on to it. And then if I see something is not working, because of course, sometimes you have an idea and you're like, that was a cute idea in 2005, but now maybe not. So, you know, you revamp it. And that's the part that makes it kind of scary a little bit is because you really see, like, I'm writing the vision and then I'm, like, putting all these puzzle pieces together. But it can bring a little bit of, like, oh, what if this doesn't work? Or what if it 
fails or, you know, all of that always comes into play for me, like always. But I have to take a step back and define what success looks like for me. Um, Because I think one of the things that you will get caught up on, especially in a nonprofit industry, especially entrepreneurship, really in general, is it's very easy to look at, okay, we've been around for about six to seven years, like she's been around for five years, and she's doing this, or he's been around for, you know, and you have to really step back and say, why am I doing this? And what does success look like for me? Mm -hmm. For me, if I have an event and nothing but five people show up, but one of those people really got it and it really clicked for them, for me, that's success. If I make this post and nobody ever likes it, but two, three months later, somebody brings it up in conversation, that's success for me. So I really had to kind of define that for myself so that way I can stay focused, keep the course, and keep going. Because I know it's we're not done. Like, I, we just talked about the relaunch, and we have, like, when the mind is, is working, honey. Yeah. So when it comes from up here to all out there, it's, 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 about to, it's about to get going. So I have to like prepare myself for this level on where we're at now to retrain myself to think like, you think you're nervous now, girl. You're doing an HBCU fest with two, three hundred people. Now, what, what are we about to do when we get to two, three thousand? Like, mm. so I, I have to because it does. It brings a certain level of like, oh, I don't know about this. But then when it happens, it's like, yes, they got it. Like. There's a whole family out there that now knows what an HBCU is. There's a whole group of families out there that are like, college? We didn't even think about that before there. And th- these are real life like conversations that I have with people. And to me, I'm like, that's success. That That's what I want. If it's two, three people that is like, oh, we got it now. That's all of this was worth it just to plant that seed. Because to me, it's a ripple effect. Yeah. You know, if you think you can't get it, if you think you too, you know, whatever to be able to learn this concept, if, you know, your family is not well off, you might have this disability, you might have that disability or ability rather, and it clicks for you. Oh, we've changed the game now because now you've opened up the door. Now your children's children yeah. have, so it's a ripple effect for me. So when I think that way, I'm like, I might be a little nervous, but girl, we got to get her done, as they would say. Yeah. Generations are needing you to do this work. And that's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also necessary. A- absolutely what, what do we necessary. Say if, use me. Use you. Yeah. Mm. It be sounding cute when people hashtag, uh-uh, <laughs> but this this real life out here. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. being used is, whew, Lord help. So what advice, if any, would you have for someone who has this dream or has a dream or God has given them a vision that has planted something in their hearts and they, they're like, oh, they may have written it down in their journal. Mm-hmm. They don't have a life book yet, <laughs> but they have a journal and they uh-huh. wrote it down. They're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm scared. They haven't even told mm-hmm. anybody yet. It's just between them and God. What do you think is the first step? What would you tell them to do? Yeah, so the first step is, for one, assuming that they did what you said do, which was the journal, right? Because that's always my first step is write it down. Okay. So your journal is now your new life book. Okay. Okay. So keep and keep it. Don't throw it away. When you get to the end, just get you another composition book. Just keep adding to it. But write it down. And one of the things that I am learning that now I tell people is this Bible talks about write the vision and make it plain, right? The first part was always very evident to me. 
Always write it down, write it down, write it down. The second part is now the wisdom that I'm sitting on that I'm sharing with other people about make it plain. Mm. Hence the name change, hence the programming change, things like that to make it quick, easy for people to be able to digest it, but also for you to be able to communicate it when you're ready to. Mm. So for right now, write it all down, make it as plain and simple as you can, and don't feel like you have to have the puzzle pieces together just yet. Mm. right now your first step is just to get the ideas from here to on paper because God has given it to you if it's through vision if it's oral word whatever it is when you feel like he's giving you something write it down because the best thing that you can do is have it so when the puzzle pieces start coming together you have something else to reflect on and that for me that's what it was I just was literally writing down ideas on this piece of paper for me it was more therapeutic just because I'm always anxious on I have to think about it because I'm gonna forget I'm gonna forget I'm gonna forget but if I write it down then that calms my anxiety down but literally it's like now I can come back to something I'm like oh God gave me this before and I didn't really know where to put this or where it applied Mm -hmm. but now I get it but because I wrote it down I have something to come back to so put the puzzle pieces will come together but flush it all out get it all out and that'll help you feel a little bit better and then you can see that it's not as scrambled as you might think or it's not all over the all over the places you might think. It actually is kind of an idea. You just had to put page two with page seven and right. it kind of had to come together. And that's really what it is. And then the next thing after that, I think it would be is connect with people. If it's through your church, if it now we have social media. So if it's some random person in England or something like that, that has yeah. like the same interest as you, because for one, you can learn more about whatever it is that you're doing, you know? So if you, if I'm interested in podcasts, I can kind of talk to you a little bit about that and see what that would look like. So that way I'm learning and I'm not just freshly going out there, not really understanding. Um, but two, it'll also help to see if there are people out there that are already doing what you're doing or maybe something similar Uh, Because sometimes I have learned, um, hence the work that we do, is that there's power in collaboration. So sometimes God is giving you an idea for you to birth. And sometimes God is giving you an idea for connection. So it might be yours to birth and to have to come into fruition. Or it might be meant for you to take your talent and connect with somebody else's talent. And now y'all have something bigger and better. And what your connection could be just for that, for community, you know, through our nonprofit, we have been able to connect with so many good people here in Houston that I had never even heard of. Um, But now that we do our work, it's like they are doing amazing things and they might be filling a void that my organization does not provide. But when we come together, now we're doing even more service to the community. But if I don't go out there and make those connections, I'm just trying to chase a hamster wheel. I'm trying to solve all the issues in, in America. And we all know that's a laundry list. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, there's literally impossible for me for me to do that. Mm-hmm. But I can connect with other people so we can strengthen each other in the work that we do. Yeah. But it takes a certain level of, hmm, how do I say this? It, in order to know the difference between birthing and collaborating, it takes a certain level of humbleness mm-hmm. to say this is a good idea, but this is not a great idea for me. What have you learned through the process of saying, oh, this is a great idea for us to do together mm-hmm. instead of me to struggle to do by myself? Lesson has been learned. <laughs> okay. T-shirt has been purchased. Okay. I might have real estate there. All yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Been there. 
Definitely. And I think, for one, the humbleness is, is up number one, right? Because in order to do this work, in order to do nonprofit work, community service work, you always have to bring yourself back to it is not about me. Mm. It's not about me in, in any way, form, or fashion. Nothing that I do is about Sharama. If my name gets mentioned, great. You know, if we get that headline, great. But at the end of the day, for me, it's about Christ. It's about community. That's it. There's no commas. There's no, that's it. It's a period at the end of, for Christ, for community. So I have to, to always come back to that. So even when it feels like, well, I'm collaborating with this person, but my name is not get. it's not about you. It's not, that's not what this is about, Right. So if I am helping families, if I am helping to glorify God, if I'm helping to strengthen people, that that's what it's about. So that the humbleness is like, it's top notch, right? Because a lot of times, especially in our generation, I feel like the collaboration is more of a tug of war. Right. We're always trying to see, well, who going to post and who going to get the most and who going to... Since that's not what we're here for. Mm-hmm. So, so either you connect them or you're not. So that is definitely... One. And two, I think it's also what has brought me there is the level of burnout that can come from it. Mm-hmm. When you are an entrepreneur of any capacity, especially nonprofit capacity, you are all the things. Yeah, yeah. You are marketing. <laughs> you are HR. <laughs> you are set up. You are breakdown. You are all of all the things. The things yes. Right? So when you realize I literally cannot do this all by myself like you have to get to that place of humbleness to realize i cannot do as big and bad as i think sharoma is Mm -hmm. i cannot do this all by myself i like i literally cannot so i have to have help and the best way for me to be able to get help is to connect people who are on the same mission as i am Mm -hmm. if your mission is to be out here to get all the likes and to get all the followers now granted there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. right there are people who feed their families being you know, influencers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if that is your motivation, you and I will probably not work as well together right. because that's not my motivation. Now we can align in our motivation because maybe you can help me to promote a project or maybe we can collaborate to be able to get some things done for a season. Mm-hmm. But for longevity, we probably going to be at each other's throat at right, some right, point right. in time. Right. So that is, the, that's just not going to work. So we have to be able to have that moment of being like, it's not about me and I cannot do it by myself. Mm-hmm. So in order for me to be able to connect with people, I have to keep that. And I think one of the things that you have to really, to know the difference, to circle back to your question, to know, know the difference between what you're supposed to birth and what you're supposed to connect is that, do I have the resources to do it by myself? Do I have the connections to get the resources to be able to do it by myself? And if I do it by myself, will it be sustainable? Because mm. I can do it by myself, main example that I will provide is we had HBCU Fest. HBCU Fest was my greatest accomplishment with this organization. Like, I hung my hat on HBCU Fest. <laughs> like, I absolutely love the idea and it, I literally got the idea driving in the car with my husband one day, one day. Ideas always come to me at the most random time. That's why I have to write stuff down. I have like 45 notes in my phone because I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's jot it down. Um, so it came to me just in the car one day with my husband and I was like, oh, that'd be a good idea if we had like not just a college fair, but seminars that people can go to and you know, like make it a whole thing. We can have sororities and fraternities there and black owned food trucks and the whole shebang. Right. In my mind, mm-hmm. baby, this was the essence fest of HBCUs. Yes. 
Yeah, and I'm. It's gonna be one day. But one thing I had to learn is in this season, it's not working for this season. So we had it for the first year we had it. The Lord blessed us because it was in 2020, February of 2020. Mm. And then March of 2020, the world decided it just wanted to not act right. Mm-hmm. So when I say I was so happy that we were able to do everything before COVID happened, like it was great. But also COVID happened. So we had this event with about two, 300 families there. We were able to serve these families and they got all this great information. Like it was amazing. I was on cloud nine and then COVID happened. And we shut down for two years. So we did it virtually, um, but it was just not quite the same, mm-hmm. right? But also that time made me sit back and think, this is a heavy load to plan HBCU Fest. Like, yeah. And then I was partnering people who didn't come through. Mm-hmm. You know, you had people like the, the gamut of yeah. it all. Even though it was on this high, high, it made me sit back and come out of that cloud nine to really assess like, this takes a lot to plan this. And as great as the event is and as great as the idea is, it's not sustainable for mm-hmm. me to do it on my own. It's, it's not. We had one good event. I can probably bust out two or three more, but it's not sustainable for me to do it on my own. Yeah. So the only way I can do it is through connection. So that was not an idea for me to birth. That was an idea for me to connect with people on. Gotcha. And I had to learn that lesson because it's going to come back. Yeah, yeah. HBCU Fest 20, fill in the blank. It's going to come back. Yeah, and it's going to be what it is up here. But I know in this season, it's for connection. That was an idea that God gave me to connect with people to make it happen. Not for me to birth on my own. Because if it was for me to birth on my own, the baby would be here. Yeah. You know? So that those are the things that I think of. Like, how do I know the difference? Is it sustainable for me to do it on my own? Do I have the resources to do it on my own? And if I don't have the resources, do I have the connection to get the resources? If it's not yes to all three, then I need to connect with something. I need to connect with somebody, a, a resource, a donor, something. Connection has to happen there. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I have one final question mm-hmm. before we get to the final segment. And that is about, we've mentioned it earlier, um, Life is not linear. It has peaks and valleys and expected and unexpected transitions. Since starting your nonprofit, we talked about it. You have gotten married. You have had two beautiful, beautiful babies. (laughs) What have you learned about yourself in these transitions? I have limits. Mm. And that's okay. And my limits have limits. One of the things that I have learned the most, again, growing up in church, you hear all the cliche scriptures, especially for me, because I grew up in the Pentecostal church, holiness Pentecostal at that. My God. So, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm talking about all white, no makeup, no jewelry. Like, Mm. so there is very little. Oh, yeah. Oh, girl. And do I see ankles on that skirt? Oh, Jezebel, have a seat. Yeah. (laughs) So every cliche scripture you can think of, but when you become an adult mm-hmm. and you really like, they just hit a little bit different. One of the things that in this season really comes to my remembrance a lot is the let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. And I think we focus a lot on the yes be your yes part because we focus on if you're going to do something, you know, say you want to do it, make sure you do it, do it right, all of that type of stuff. 
But what resonates with me in this journey, especially being a wife and being a mother, is also when my no is my no, it's my no. Period. You say that's strong, sis. And there's a period at the end of the sentence. Come there's, on. There's no comma. There's no semicolon. There's no question mark. It might be an explanation mark, depending on how many times I have to say no. But it's no. And I have to be okay with that. Because if I'm not okay with that, then I can't expect for you to be okay with that. And sometimes the no is to myself. Mm. Sometimes the no is, girls, sit down. And that's okay. Because at the end of the day, what God holds me accountable for is the people who are at my address. So no matter what happens, God gave me my husband and he gave me my children. And it is my responsibility to make sure that those people are okay. How dare I have the audacity to plan all of these programs and do all of this stuff to be able to bless other people and their families and mine is falling apart. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that does not, we, we're not going to do that. So I have to make sure that those people are okay. Like, I have to. So that, having that at the forefront is difficult sometimes mm-hmm. because you have to balance that, right? Mm-hmm. As much as I might love the work that I do, being a part of all of these different organizations that I'm a part of, my family comes first. And if that means we got to switch some stuff around, if we had, and that's one of the reasons why our organization actually took a little bit of a hiatus. You know, after we had Skylar, things were, it took me a little bit to manage, but I was actually at home full time. That was my first time really being at home. It's literally a week before I had Skylar was my last day of work. Mm. So I had a little bit of an adjustment period with her, but I think I was able to get my footing a little bit better. Um, so with Skylar, it's one. We in a wagon, we, you know, going and doing all the things. Um, but when Drew came along, that 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 two hit a little bit different. Now I heard three and four hit different, but I'm not be a witness to that. I will take y'all's example and go with that. That two life is real, real different. Like <laughs> it's real different. Especially when you're 35. It's different. Like that energy level, what is that? What is energy? Like it's different 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 so it definitely has my moments where i'm like we, we just have to we have to sit down and we took a hiatus after drew i told my board of directors like we're going to take some time we're going to take some time because i have to revamp what my life now looks like with two kids and making sure that i'm okay mentally physically emotionally that my children are my husband is that we're all well balanced but also i have to figure out how do i now juggle this how do I juggle this nonprofit and my family with still doing all the things that I want to do with my family? Yeah. I still want to homeschool. I still want to be a stay-at-home mom. I still, you know, all of those things are my goals. You know, I chose to be a stay-at-home mom. We choose to homeschool. We choose to do these things. So I have to be able to do it right. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do I balance that? So I, I literally, we took some time off. I, yeah. We took some time off. And that's where all of this relaunching, revamping, all of that, I was able to have the brain space to really figure out what, I wanted what God wanted, what the community wanted this organization to look like and put Mm -hmm. some plans in place that was now sustainable for me. So now I have programming before we did a lot of speaking engagements where I would go to schools and talk about college and career readiness and stuff like that. That look real crazy when you got two kids in the stroller at a parent teaching night and you over here asking for snacks and and I can't (laughs) do the PowerPoint presentation because Skylar need her tablet. And Hey, I don't want that life for my children, for myself, and it, it, this, it does mm-hmm. not work. Right. But now with the program that we do, like we have story times mm. at different parts in the community. My kids can come to that and they can enjoy the programming 
and I can do what I need to do without trying to figure out how do I be a mom and a presenter at the same time. But it took me to have that space to sit down, yeah. flesh out my ideas, figure out. And it also serves the community in a much better way because now the people who may not have access to educational programs, we now go to them and we bring those educational programs to them. Mm -hmm. So now they have greater access to it. So now we have revamped it in a way where it's more, again, sustainable. So we can have these longevity programs, but also I'm not pulling my hair out because yeah, it's, well, it's better. It's better for all parties involved. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so rich. And it speaks to the importance of rest so that not only can you hear from God, but you can hear from yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. So as we speak about the future, um, would you continue to share? You spoke about, you know, what's next for the Michelle Project. Mm -hmm. um, and is there anything, how can we connect with the Michelle Project? How can we find out more information, donate for folks that want to support mm -hmm. your organization? How can folks find out more information? Yeah, so we are, uh, well, by the time you guys hear this, we will be in the midst of launching our information on social media, websites, all of that um, will be available. It's actually available now. Um, so people can look at that. So again, it will be the Michelle Project. And the biggest way that you can support us um, is three ways. One, of course, your coins. Yes. We are a nonprofit organization. We will happily accept all donations at all times. Um, so you can definitely uh, donate with that. A big thing that we also have a need for is books. Um, with every program that we have, um, students are able to take home a free book. And we provide free books all the way from uh, zero to high school age. Um, so you actually really into adult uh, age as well. Um, so if you have any books that are around your home, if you have connections to organizations that have books, anything like that, we're always, always accepting books. Um, we have two programs where we really give the books out the most. One is our Spark 5 program, which is an adaptable story time um, that focuses on the five practices of early literacy. Um, one of the things that we wanted to make sure is that all children had access to our educational programs, regardless of what their abilities are. Um, so we have this adaptive program where they have adaptive materials, our facilities. We make sure that they are um, wheelchair accessible, things of that nature. So that way, again, all children can access it. Um, so they have books there. Any child that comes to our program, they walk away with a free book. And we also have community reading corners that we fill with books. Um, so we partner up with local laundromats, doctor's office, things of that nature. And we set up book nooks. Um, in their spaces. So, you know, while mom and dad is doing laundry, a child can enjoy a book, but they can also take it home with them. Our biggest thing is making sure that we have books in homes because we all know the statistics of reading and why it's important. Um, but th the statistics don't mean anything if I don't have any books at home, right? Yeah. So when you have those books at home, we've given you the skills to read, but now we're also giving you a book so you can take it home and practice. So we're always in need for that. And the third thing, and probably I think is the most important thing, is your emotional support, your prayers, um, your sharing stuff on social media, your encouragement, mentioning our names in rooms that we will probably never walk in. We have received a lot of blessings that way. It's been several times where I've even gotten a check in the mail and I'm like, who are these people? And then somebody's like, oh, I was in a meeting and they talked about mentioning our names in rooms that we will probably never walk in. Those are the things, if you cannot physically donate, you know, with your monetary donations. If you don't have any books to donate, you can always share a post. 
You can always remember us in your prayers. You can always do those things. And to me, those things are like the most important prayer being number one on that list. Yeah. Prayer for our families, our staff, me, all the things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank Y'all, you. Y'all, please be sure everything she mentioned will be in the description of the podcast and of the YouTube video. Thank you so much, sis. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Hopefully it was good. No, it was excellent. Y'all liked it. (laughs) Excellent, excellent, excellent. She said so much, y'all, to be mindful of of your rest so that you can not only hear from God, um, but be mindful of the things that you need to birth and the things that you need to collaborate on. Okay, so be mindful of that. Please be sure to comment in the description of wherever you found this podcast, whether on on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Uh, Be sure to comment your favorite takeaway, like, share, and subscribe. And until we gather again every single Thursday, may God increase your joy, grant you strength for the journey, and give you the courage to tell your story. Bye, friends.